Midgast Brothers are all about uh, the music, the metal, uh, but also all the other genres inspired by both metal, by Viking Age, by history, mythology, all that that we have discussed here the last three days. Uh, and therefore, it's very appropriate to also have a music panel. It's a very important part of the festival. And we have some very distinguished guests here today. Uh, first of all, let me introduce the actual podcast makers. I mean, uh, they, they, most of you know them. You've, they've, you've produced over 100 episodes of Nordic Mythology Podcast. How many? Ooh, 128. And that is Daniel Ferrand, um, first, who is uh, founder of Horns of Odin. Uh, that's pretty much it. And then we have Dr. Matthias Nurvik, who is an associate professor in, uh, <laughs> here we go again, the University of Boulder, Colorado, or the other way around? The other way around. The other way around. It's I do it works. wrong every time. Yeah. Okay. So these are the hosts. Um, and then we have the distinguished guests. We have Julie Weir from Sony Music. We have uh, Letitia Abanes from Seasons of Mist. And we have Ivar Bjornsson from, by, uh, from um, uh, By Norse Music. And we are having uh, two more additional guests coming in a bit later. There's a lot of things going on at the festival, so we're, we're a bit here and there. But we're also having Jonathan Seltzer from Metal Hammer UK and also Uto Egil Sathre from Charisma Records. So I give the mic back to you, Daniel. Give it away. Perfect. Thank you very much, Vicky. We, sh we should hire Vicky every week to introduce us. That would be great. <laughs> I, uh, better than doing it myself. I feel. Um, Julie, I have to say from the start, as a, as a fellow Brit, we have to stick together here. These, these Danes pick on us. So we, uh, me and you, we're, uh, we're in this together. Oh, and a fist bump as well. Uh, uh, well yeah, can, I, I, can I get the backup from the Norwegians then? Yeah. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> Good place to start. <laughs> oh, I, we're, we're what? Two, we're two, we're, we're two minutes in and we're, uh, it's already split. I think we should start by maybe letting you introduce your, yourselves and what you do within the industry. Uh, we've, oh, we've got the, the one in the middle. I'm Letitia. I've been working uh, at Season Mist for four and a half years now. Uh, I mainly do PR, so I arrange the interviews with our artists. Um, but I also focus a lot on the digital side. So I make sure that our singles are available and listenable on Spotify. Um, yeah, that's it on a really short version. Perfect. Uh, my name's Julie. It's my first year here and I'm loving it. And everyone's really friendly. So I'd like to say thanks to everyone for that because I came on my Todd on my own. But um, I run a label called Music for Nations, which is a metal label in the UK, which is based out of Sony Music. But I'm not just the big bad major, so don't judge me. <laughs> um, I ran an independent label for 25 years as well. I used to run a, a black metal label called Cacophonous, and then I, I run a UK metal label called Visible Noise as well. So, and I, I still support the underground very much. Oh, Julie, hang on. Where are you from? Because you've got a... I'm from Cumbria, oh. which is very, very landscape-wise, like where we are today, actually. And it made me realize I miss my, I miss my home. I knew it was a northern accent. Hi, I'm Ivar. Uh, uh, I <clears throat> am one of three owners of uh, Binaurus Music. We started out in a little hut down here, actually. First year of uh, Midgas Blut, 2016. 
2015, um, sorry, because in 2014, me and uh, Einar did the Skugshaw thing over at Eidsvoll. Offended a former prime minister, actually. Kåre Willock told us to move our fucking car. Nice. <laughs> nice. It's my big political achievement. Uh, and then we went there, and then uh, during that weekend, we my Norse came up. So thank you for that. Um, and yeah, I played Enslaved, so we played here a bunch of times. We're loving it. It's such a fantastic festival. Um, and I'm honored to be part of this... Uh, this podcast. Thank, Thank you. you. We We're honored to have you here. We're also 3D, like also for the people listening to the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're no, actually we have, alive. We're people. We have we have some cameras recording as well, so we're going to be going up on YouTube so they can see your beautiful face. Oh, thank you. Sir. <laughs> That's <laughs> makes me happy to think about. Thank you. Um, what a let's, face. Let's start. I think probably with the the biggest elephant in the room, and that's. COVID. What did you just call me? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm the funny. I'm the funny one here. That's my job. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say you were the elephant. I'm the elephant. <laughs> that's what. That's that's your job. <laughs> I'm the elephant. Say that about me. Um, no, let's talk about COVID. I think that's the the biggest issue that you guys must have faced in the last three years. It must have put so much pressure on you. You guys rely on, I guess you know, certain amount comes from Spotify and listening, but. The, I imagine the bulk of them, the the real money comes from live shows, people coming out and watching. So, what I guess, what was it like as in a, an effect trying to survive through that, and then what was it like coming back from that after? Um, I don't know if you want to take turns or if any of you want to go. You all lent back as soon as I mentioned COVID, so I don't know. <laughs> well, I Maybe who wants nice. to go first? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, everyone panics of course when you know COVID hits uh, I remember we had some tours going on, going on back then and they immediately got cancelled and everyone was just trying to get home from Japan to uh, mm. from Netherlands back to J Japan and the first weeks uh, I remember were quite you know what what are you going to do um, is the label going to survive what are is our income people stopped buying in the first weeks because no one knew what was happening mm. how long it was going to take um but we also noticed, I mean, for us, the main income is not live shows. It's, you know, selling music. Okay. Um, at, so at first, at, at some point, you notice people were getting, well, I guess a bit bored at home. So they started listening more and actually buying more vinyl and merch. Oh, wow. So okay. in that sense, that I guess that's what got us through those years. Mm -hmm. See that that shows how much I know about the music industry. <laughs> but I just assumed it was live shows. It was the biggest. Well, it depends. That's it. But I mean, no, this is the whole premise of the podcast that I know nothing and just <laughs> sit, just sit here and ask stupid questions. <laughs> we've been doing it for long enough. Yeah. But correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, wasn't Heilong touring right around uh, the time when, when the pandemic struck and they were basically being chased around the U.S. with the, with COVID on their heels? I am actually not sure. Yeah, I, I think, I think uh, they said the last show was York when we spoke to them yesterday. Yeah. I think that hit, it hit just as, just as COVID York. was there. New York. It was New York or was I, it York? I, I don't remember. <laughs> but it was in it was it was a York. <laughs> a York. <laughs> new New or old, it was a York. <laughs> it was one of them. Jorvik. 
The Gothic movie, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You want to pass the mic yeah. on to Julie and let's hear your I thoughts think on that. One of the things that, I mean, I found it that everyone has found going back to shows incredibly difficult as well. And it's brilliant to see everybody's so engaged here. And it's actually, it's not engaged, it's immersed. I think it's a different word, isn't it? Mm -hmm. But I think that I live in London and everyone in London for the first six months, even when we came out of lockdown, was petrified. Everybody was buying tickets and not turning up. So you go to a venue of 5,000 people and there'd be 2,000 there, which is great. No bar queues, absolutely. I'm behind, behind that. But it's just, it's a weird, weird atmosphere and it must be so disappointing for the artists. Mm. But the good thing about it is it is back and we don't have to sit and watch people perform form on screens anymore because I think it was great for the first three or four the behemoth one was absolutely fantastic that was like watching like 80s top of the pops with flash bombs and everything it was great but I think now people are sitting there making no effort and sitting on a stool in their kitchen plinky plonky on a guitar wearing an egg stain t-shirt it's not a good look I don't think now it's not quite the same no I mean people really need to make an effort and I think people got sick of themselves at that point as well (laughs) have you have you found the People also wait to the last minute to buy tickets. Or, or don't buy tickets in advance. Okay. They just rock up on the door. Yeah, because, That's I guess, the thing. because they're not sold out. They're kind of just waiting. Yeah, people are still genuinely worried. It's going to be cancelled right until, the, the, until, until they're at the show and they actually see it's going ahead Then they don't want to put put the money out because obviously people don't want to take the responsibility of like of giving out all the refunds and people don't want to be spending that amount of money on tickets i've seen tickets go through the roof as well, well that, ticket prices are insane in london that, that's the other thing i think it's also i imagine it was quite difficult for people to get refunds for tickets that they they bought I, I i don't think everybody understands how a lot of industry works and i think they assume that they they buy a ticket and then that money just sits in a bank somewhere and then when, when it falls through, like something like COVID hits, then they just get their money back. They don't kind of understand that that money's not in a bank. It's been invested in stages, in equipment, in the acts. Like it's it's gone until the show happens and you reap the money back, then it's it's not there anymore. So it's kind of that thing of where a lot of people probably had to wait for refunds, maybe didn't get refunds, they just, the, the show got moved. So then now they're nervous to put that money out in case that happens again. And, and I can't blame people to that extent yeah. either. But I mean, at least this has completely restored my faith in a lot of things. People are, everybody's wearing festival merch. Everybody. Yeah. It's absolutely fantastic. And there's a bit, that's a big testament to the festival as well. You don't get that at Reading and Leeds. Download's pretty, pretty good, but not on this level. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> by Norse, of course, the, the, the pandemic, yeah. We got an advantage, I have to say that, you know, it's, it's, it's a labor of love kind of thing. You're still planning on, uh, on getting paid back from the label at some point. Uh, <laughs> well, we, I know how that feels from. We're, we're just too fond of like, uh, <clears throat> silly things like, uh, I, I can't remember the word, but when, when a logo is like raised from the paper, mm-hmm. feel that with your finger. Embossed. Embossed. Thank you. Yes. And that kind of ruins the, pay- the payment all the time. Um, I want to make these, this, that's why we started the label, to, to realize those things. And um, So we're not that dependent on the income thing. I guess yeah. the same with the band. We still keep our day jobs, so we can still make like extremely unfunky, uncatchy music <laughs> with way too long songs uh, and still be able to pay the rent. Yeah. Um, so that didn't, but we noticed the thing that, that made us a bit sad was that Something changed with the thing that we had been experiencing, like presenting new music became impossible. Yeah. 
that was uh, that was the big downer. That was not too many months into it. Just like we kept releasing things, and, and when we tried to introduce something new, like this exciting artist, people like it didn't. It wasn't like they were negative. It was just like they were just not there. Okay. So, but we saw the back catalog was going well, and then we saw the US getting bored and started to order vinyl directly from Europe. So that that whole vinyl thing, you know, can you imagine. Valdrina, of course, is always a yeah. a driving engine. We start every uh, every um, board meeting with giving praise to Anarch, me and Simon, <laughs> offering like a sheep or two. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. The basics. The basics, <laughs> and then we start the board meeting. Point one. Um, so that's that's all good. But we saw that with the back catalog, kept steadily selling, and people from all over the world ordering. Um, uh, the vinyl, so that that kept the the, the label across, but that's uh, I think it was sad to see that that the whole thing like new artists, really good ones, yeah. that didn't just I'm not talking just about consumers, but the whole industry, like mm. journalists and and um, tastemakers, whatever trend yeah. setters. It's just like uh, you had to be you had to present like a legacy band, yeah, to get any kind of uh, pulse. Yeah, I guess. Everybody, had, you would have had a like say a back catalogue of acts and material ready to go that you st- still have to release even when when COVID hit. You've got to get out and and again you don't know how long it's going to go on for. Nobody knew. I, you know, when it, when it hit, we assumed it was going to be a few weeks, like oh, a couple of months. We'll be all back to normal, and then it just kind of yeah. You yeah. hit like the the two month mark. It's like oh, it was six months. Then you hit the six months mark. Then it's twelve months, and then it, that goalpost kept getting moved. And I, I imagine that's so difficult to to plan for. So, so I wish, like in Italy, I saw that they went around and like sung outside, like people working at hospitals' houses, giving them praise for being the heroes of the pandemic. And I wish people would do that, like with artists that tried to launch themselves during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. to do that too. <laughs> Get your balalaikas and banyos and. Play some tunes out their houses <laughs> and uh, tell them you're sorry the yeah. career didn't take off. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got a question actually on that point. But do you think that's intrinsically linked to people not being able to go out and play live? Because we had a very similar kind of vibe with it. And we tried to do things where people were trying to engage with people through a screen, which still makes me just a bit ick yeah. now because it's this you need a, a visceral personal experience to engage with music, I think. And do do you feel it's because that part was missing, or people were just scared? Or I think that's uh, part of the problem that they didn't get that thing to like push them over, like down from the fence. But it was also something that happened with us. But uh, it happened it hasn't happened before. There's like the mix of information age and a pandemic. Yeah. Uh, it kind of overloaded our brains because our needs, our need for information and filling out the gaps and all that stuff. Just made us uh, zombified in a sense. Mm-hmm. So the only like we when we were searching for music and entertainment, we all looked for like post-pandemic. Mm-hmm. We, you know, it had to be tied into something that we knew from before. I think it levels the playing field as well because it, it humble all the bigger bands get humbled. They're not selling arenas anymore. They've got to create content just like the smaller ones. So they're all creating content together, and obviously established ones are going to win over the. The new ones, unless you do something special, yeah. Um, and it's it's probably it's no surprise that you no, know, like Highlung took off from like Castlefest and and Mika Spot, and I I think the same thing's going to happen with Nabala. And I've been saying that for a while. The whole times I've been talking with you, honest. Um, you know, seeing these things, especially in this type of genre, 
I think you really connect with the axis of an emotional experience. So seeing them live, that's really what drives that interest. And then you go and tell your friends and listen to it at home. And, and it's one of three, uh, like, uh, what do you call it? When the rockets go up, they have Hel- stage one. You need the thing on, you need, you need a live concert for people mm-hmm. to talk about. Yeah, you need the YouTube thing. I was here when in High Long played the first time, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of silly. Uh, thinking about it now, but I didn't realize how crazy it was because a lot of people are talking about it. you got to see this High Long. I'm from Bergen, and Maria, the singer, she used to live there, so it's a yeah. bunch of Bergen mm-hmm. Viking people with pointy hats that wanted to see that show. Yeah, and they're talking about it all day, and then something happened during the concert. Those people like. Not just texting from there. People are running around texting and calling. Like something's yeah. happening here. And uh, and we know now what happened. Yeah. People were calling like to the US and mm-hmm. people calling home. That's not very often that happens that people run off to call home to tell about the concert or something. Yeah. Um, so that's, I think that's a really good point. It's not, not enough in itself. But when you have the package of an album that's on its way, you have the chatter, maybe a single, and then you add that concert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just also, I don't think it was just uh, emerging or new artists. And I, I, I know from the releases that we did in those two years, they are kind of lost albums because now there's so much new music and these albums, they're great, but people, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just lost time and people were listening to it back then. But now they they had no 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 real chance of promoting it, mm-hmm. so yeah, I I don't think it's only for new artists like I ever said, but also for some of our artists, they're just, it's just it's just too bad. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess everyone with access to a studio spent two years in a studio creating yeah. the next their next big album. So as soon as it ended, everyone went, "Here's our new album that we've been working yeah. on for the last three years." But so did everyone else, I guess, mm-hmm. and it just floods the market but with, with the live side as well i mean we've seen bands that were releasing well trying to release stuff two and a half years ago and then trying to do the tour to support it i mean we've got one artist whose tour is actually it's the end of this year and we'll have already announced the next album by the time that tour starts mm-hmm. so it feels completely everything's out of sync mm-hmm. i don't know what weighs up anymore honestly it's just it's really confusing because i mean effectively the band will announce <laughs> the new album in September, they'll go out in tour in the UK and Europe in October and November. In October and November, they'll be playing songs from the old record because it's the first time they've played them. But they'll also be playing two songs from the new record because by the time the tour comes round, there'll be two singles out. It's like, it's absolute madness, right? That? Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> it really is. Sounds I'm, I'm complicated. It, it does sound complicated. I'm, I'm confused already. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, that that is that is uh it yeah it's true it's true enough this podcast funnily enough as well <laughs> <laughs> so it keeps us going um i'm gonna butcher your name again no <laughs> you you use my microphone and no, no, no dan dan say it go on go on be pussy i got called pussy on my own podcast <laughs> uh the team the team leticia Okay, good enough. Say, I've learned if you say it quick enough, no one can understand if you've said it right or not. Um, you, you said you work in PR, which I'm, yeah. this is going to be so interesting for me is because I want to know what people are like and how hard it is to, to manage people in this industry sometimes. 
it must be difficult. You don't, maybe don't name names, but I, I want to know. Yeah, no, don't, please don't ruin your career. But I would love to. You, there must be some difficult people. Yeah, they're definitely difficult people, but they're difficult people everywhere in every job. Oh, but so, I imagine there's some uh, extra difficult people in this one. Though. Yeah, well, okay, I confirm that. But there are also many He's people fishing. who are. Uh, What's this? They're also great people who oh, yeah. have their stuff together and you know so i feel like we're, we're going to avoid that question then that was a great <laughs> diplomatic it was response great right there <laughs> um oh yeah i imagine it's a very it is a very rewarding job as well well you know in relation to covid actually the last two years i've been also just working at home and then mm. you're like well i'm doing an underpaid office job uh yeah. and of course so getting back to you know, go to shows and festivals is great. So you get the feeling of what you're doing again. Mm -hmm. And that's been great, especially here and at Beyond the Gates a couple of weeks ago. So that's been really good. But is there any, any horror stories you can share? Of uh, the COVID period? No, just people being assholes. Let me think about that one. <laughs> I mean, let me think about that one and I'll get This there. is my revenge for calling me a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a career move. Tell a story about one of your artists being assholes. <laughs> I've got I've, I've got to ask and try at least you've got to I've got to have a go um, no, I'm only kidding maybe, maybe okay maybe. So, so, so 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 to take it away from that um, I, I'd love to to I hear well what what can be done about the situation do you guys have any like like suggestions to solution for these issues that have come with COVID and and all that stuff I think, yeah. I think we're actually in part of it yeah. okay. right yeah. now. Because yeah. I think what one thing that I saw through COVID as well, I, I also work with Wardrainer in partnership with these guys, actually just for the UK. But I can't take any credit for it. I just, I'm just the label. <laughs> but, um, but the one thing I have really seen throughout this time is people wanting to step away from digital noise and digital communication and people wanting to step back into nature and back into belonging to things and back into immersing themselves in almost the analogue. And I think this is a great kind of tonic for that. And I think there's a lot of festivals that could learn from things like this because there's a lot of stuff going on that isn't just about the music. And I also think that that's what the music industry needs to learn. It needs to not just sit on its own. We try and do it, but the music industry by default in a certain extent does tend to kick you back into your silo. So, I mean, we try and work within film, within gaming, within theatre, within comic books actually is a new one for us but but i think this kind of immersive experience and this kind of immersive approach the and experience is the key it shouldn't be just about gigs it shouldn't be just about trying to sell music it should be trying to give stuff back to people and letting them belong to something to create a culture around mm -hmm. it yeah I think. yeah which which is something that you guys do really well i think mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You want to tell us how well you do it, Divas? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> funny you mention that. No, I totally agree. That's um, that's what people <coughs> want and what they need is some kind of content. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it's it's sad for the black metal community that they kind of yeah they thought Nietzsche was being black metal. He was actually being a nice old man feeling sorry for people. <laughs> Uh, being your own spirituality and religion was taken away, mm -hmm. and that's left the, left the void, you know. And I think that's uh, what's being filled. That we are <clears throat> like at Fire in the Mountains. Um, this lovely old uh, Native American woman. What's her name again? 
um, uh, that was Christiania. Yeah, Christiania. Yeah. yeah. And when someone asked, like, how do you feel about this whole thing about in the US and Trump and blah, 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 all these lizard people, conspiracy people, things going south? And she said, what we say is like they created that world for themselves, so they have to live in it. And I think that's just the spirit of um, where we need to go. Let them have that. Let them eat poisoned cake and we'll, we'll have a good time here. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so what's it like, I guess, signing new people? What goes into that decision post-COVID? Because I imagine it's... it's lunacy, I think. Yeah. Signing new bands now, it's mad. I imagine it's the same thing as people not wanting to buy their tickets for the concert. Is a similar sort of thing as you don't want to... Is it a struggle to sign new people because you have to pay a bunch of money and then... No, that, that, that's never been the issue, to be quite honest. I think, again, with the advent of the sound clouds and stuff of the world, there's a lot of noise and it's hard to cut through that noise. It's, try, it's hard to try and find the talent when there's so much static going on behind it. And I think that the, stat, the, the, the static for me, is it, it grows increasingly difficult to, to get rid of because there's so many people who believe they're talented and sometimes belief takes over from actual talent. Okay. Which is an awful thing to say, but that's being really honest. But I also think there's a lot of people who who definitely can develop the, the musical talent alongside the imagery and the ideas that they've got. Mm-hmm. So I think I think for me, the thing that always stands out is people who are pretty fearless, who will stand out on like a limb on their own, that don't try and emulate other people, that that, that try and like sort of cut their own furrow. And I also think that a lot of young bands find that really scary now. Mm-hmm. And it's also trying, it's hard trying to in, invent something that is new yeah. in 2022 because you've got to take inf- information and ideas from other people as well. I mean, I imagine you see so many people emulating Vodruna and Hylung. That must be something you come across every day, multiple yes. times a day. <laughs> yes, sometimes I go out in the street and scream like, I had a beard a long time before this all happened. At <laughs> <laughs> some point in the nineties with Enslaved, we were actually the only band in Viking Virginia. Can you imagine a world with one band? That's drunk us. I, yeah, I remember that. That's pretty silly. And then somebody went, oh, in ninety four, like, you should check out this uh, this new band, the Swedish band. They're playing on the same stage before you. They're called Aim and Marth. And that was the beginning of something weird and beautiful that happened. <laughs> so yeah, I had a beard for a long time. Just mentioning that. Um it's it's great that it's all happening. The th- the problem is that they, they are missing all the, the Gordon Gecko wisdom of if you're seeing something happening in real time, it's too late to jump on it. And I think Valdo and I's a good example. Uh, Anna he went underground at some point uh, in the mid late nineties and worked on this thing. I think Tom Waits wrote the song "What Is He Building in There" about Anna. We all knew he was doing something. It was like clink clank from his uh, workshop. Never came out, never told anybody. And then he went and did this one show at the Viking Museum. And it was like, and he had been already saying like, no, I think he just had like some kind of robot, Viking robot saying, (laughs) no, thank you to every like uh, question Mm -hmm. for a bunch of years because he was waiting for the right opportunity and when the museum said like could you do a concert in front of this oldest Norwegian artifact yes and that's the that was the start of it Mm -hmm. Um, and I think people are kind of missing sometimes they're missing out on that and I think it's it's a bit sad I think it 
it taps into what uh, Julia said that you have to create something for yourself and people are way too they're spending too much time like looking at stuff like analyzing and yes analysis and number cracking and excel sheets are great i'm kind of i think i like excel too much something wrong with me but for a normal person in a band you shouldn't be too con- considering that too much you should be focusing on your rehearsal room and your band and that's what we did in the 90s with i keep like my hat is going off and off on and off so fast there you can't see it mm-hmm. it looks like i'm in bold actually that's the effect <laughs> i'm not where am i it's like we didn't even care we didn't think about it for a second like what kind of success rate it would have it's one of the things we were discussing at beyond the gates with these old farts and the other bands that are playing there it's like did we ever discuss like sales targets and stuff. No, we had one discussion. There were some people who were worried about like, yeah, I heard this the new Mayhem and Dark Throne albums that they're gonna, people are expecting them to sell like several hundred thousands. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that they're commercial? Is that bad? Yeah. And then somebody said, somebody like clever said, no, 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 it's, that's commercial. It's just a description of the people buying the albums. It doesn't have to do with the music. And everyone's like, oh, relaxed, you know, like, <laughs> it's still true. And that was, the, that was like the entire debate from 91 till 96 in the scene about like sales. And the rest was like, people said like, it sounds horrible. And we went to the studios. Is there something wrong with the guitar? Supposed to be like that? Why is he screaming? And we're like, fuck you old guy. You know what we're doing. You know, we're, we're the new Mozarts. Do you think that's a product from social media that everybody just wants to be famous like this? Now I get to say, I don't have a social media profile. <sighs> <laughs> Fucking sucks, the whole thing. Let's go back to text ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I wholeheartedly agree. But it, it brings up a massive, massive, like, a, well, a disagreement with the industry in general is my version of musicians, um, people are storytellers, right? And I think you should be able to tell your story in whatever way you choose. Social media has forced people to be always on, which is hideous on so many levels. Because if I get one more kid coming up to me when they're um, in our intern program or something like that, and they go, what I really want to be is an influencer. And after I've held down my lunch, it's just like you have no idea what it even means because we have teams of people in our building who do that for artists. And it's, I find it tedious. I like titting around with my phone and taking photos of the Bory Mounds and things like that. And that's about as good as I get. But having to be always on as an artist is an absolutely different thing. Like you say, an artist should think about what they want to present themselves as, as in image. They should be able to have an idea about what their album cover should look like and the imagery around that, what they want to look like on stage, and most importantly, what they're recording. Because that, if we don't have a good album, if you don't have great music, and you don't have great ideas surrounding that, you've got nothing to create content around anyway. To be quite honest, and people need to start thinking back to that. It's like, take it back to ground zero. Now artists are expected to have a TikTok profile, do this, do that, do the other. It's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. I think that the music industry has taken a lot of that kind of control away from the artist and we need to really start thinking backwards. I mean, there's a, there's a counter-argument for this as well, but my personal feeling, I, I come from an independent label background and working inside a major, I see all kinds of things happen and it's brilliant. You'd love it because it is spreadsheet heavy. 
but <laughs> but it's it's interesting information that comes in. But I still don't believe in ANR or any kind of promotion by algorithm. I think it's it, it should be personal choice. Yeah. Uh, I hate social media to be honest, but I'm on it and I manage it and for artists. Oh, you and do. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk but, about that. But uh, no, I'm, I'm making a point. <laughs> no, but you know, it's it's changed, and you say an artist should do this and this and this. But I do think in this world, you can say an artist cannot do it, cannot avoid social media, and maybe they hire someone, etc. But it's you know, it's just changed. It's how the times are. You can't put that genie back in the bottle. So mm-hmm. yes, of course, we can always look back and reflect, etc. But I I don't think there's a way back. No, but this is a complete counter argument, though, because it is the belief in people creating their art yeah. versus what they have to do to exist in a, a volatile and tricky industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy said, isn't the root of all of this counterculture? So wouldn't it be a countercultural move to be just like naked in the woods instead of on social media? Yeah, but that already happens. There are enough yeah, fans so. putting out <laughs> tapes and saying like, I don't want to sell it, but I'm still putting it out. Yeah, there are some, that's true. If you're naked in the woods and there's no one there to film it, are you naked in the woods? <laughs> so. well, I, think, I think you might have missed my point here. Though. I'm not saying bands shouldn't do it, but you should take everything back to the root of creating great art before everything else has to move on from that. Because there's a lot of stuff that's created that is not necessarily great that still comes out and that hasn't necessarily been thought through. Mm-hmm. It's like you said, people say they want to be an influencer and that's the same as saying, I want to be famous. And it's like, well, for fucking what? I blame what reality you, TV. What, what, yeah, what do you want to be famous for? What do you want to influence? Like, influence would usually have something to say. They would make a point. They'd be famous in their own right, make good music, make good They're influencers because things. people are influenced by them. Yeah. And it's, it's the wrong way. It's like my favorite panel ever was this place. Where, why don't they make veteran cars anymore? Because not enough time has passed, you fucking moron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In 40 years, there's be a bunch of veteran cars made that year. Do, do do something, create something that influences people and then you will become an influencer. You don't just set out to be an influencer or just be famous. Well, I guess nowadays people can just be famous for being famous, I guess, without really doing anything. <laughs> or creating um, a, a weird podcast and then... <laughs> no, we educate, you educate. <laughs> and I... No, no, you educate. <laughs> No, you educate. <laughs> you educate. <laughs> but you do. I okay, just, I just the questions. <laughs> um, room, guys. <laughs> I know. It's a good job this is a long table between us. <laughs> and you said you were you upload for Spotify. Um, yeah. Uh, well, we can talk about that in a second as well. Um, I imagine you were extremely busy in the pandemic then because surely there was just tons of music that were people creating at home, just you had to upload all the time, make sure everything yeah. was, was there. Yeah. yeah, there was a lot of, uh, you know, uh, singles coming out and uh, artists being like, well, we have to release something now, so let's dig up the stuff that we recorded two years ago or five years ago that wasn't good enough and now put it out as something That's new. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is, but yeah. I mean, it seems like Spotify's obviously just completely changed the music industry, guess in how the i think that uh 
depends on the person you ask, but I notice uh, for us, of course, stuff is way more single driven. An artist puts out three singles. If you get in a playlist, it's amazing. Um, but there are also many saying, no, we sh- I still listen to an album. An album is more important than singles. So, But it really depends on who you ask, I think. I think Spotify is probably similar to social media is that it, it's not going back in the box. Mm-hmm. Like People are very used to this way of listening to music, not having to buy the whole album. They can just pay a subscription fee and listen to whatever they want. And I mean... I don't know whether I necessarily agree with it, and but I use it, and I really like how easy it is to discover new artists. So I guess there's arguments all over because you discover new people because you don't have to pay for it. You just click on it and you... Mm-hmm. Well, you do pay for the subscription fee, but you're not paying for like the the song. Or you don't the, have to buy a CD yeah, to discover you, so a new So you band. can just yeah. find new people. People yeah. just send each other songs and you're like, oh, I like this person now. But I also imagine they're not the best paying yeah. For it's convenience versus commitment, I always say. Oh, no, you decide to turn on. Just in time for Brexit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come join us. Come join. So you were Yeah, so. Yeah, so Either side, should I catch Jonathan up as to where we are? We're talking about Spotify and what it's done for the music industry. So, so my, 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 my argument. <laughs> you want to let him in or? Yeah. My, my argument is convenience versus commitment because I think we can discover new bands and we can find a lot of stuff out and I, I mean I've personally found new bands on Spotify and went out and bu- bought vinyl box sets which my partner hates me for because the spare bedroom is full of vinyl box sets also thank you Bandcamp for, on Fridays during lockdown but then that's that's convenience but commitment is for people who want to go out and spend so I suppose I sit both ways I, I suppose I mean I, I don't see it as much of the devil as a lot of people do yeah, I think um, a lot, um, like a lot of things, sometimes you get out of what you put into it. I mean, you know, the level of dedication, like say people had to the black metal scene when you were tape trading and the, the amount of effort that came into it. Also, you know, coming home with a vinyl, um, staring at the sleeve, that, um, that moment of anticipation, because we didn't have internet, so we didn't always know what it sounded like. So just anticipation when you put the needle on the record and you got the running groove, those are all moments of magic that you won't necessarily get with, with Spotify. And yeah, yes, it's very true. And, um, but also, I think different mediums create different kinds of music. Like, remember, we had the whole MySpace metal scene, and, um, which was basically a job for Cowboy, I think. <laughs> and, um, but there was a phenomenon in itself that, you know, bands. Um, there was some indie band, I think, like, that that became really huge on MySpace, and then um, and bring me, yeah, and then and then now you have a kind of a Spotify generation of bands where everything's like a bit of a mix and a match of different genres, but without being really attached to anyone, and you can you can mix genres and find connections between things if you really dive deep into them, and some of the best music comes from that kind of cross-pollination. Um, but there's a lot of it. It's just, it's just mimics the experience of skipping from one thing to another without having the kind of the interaction with that and, and bringing out the power that's inherent in that particular genre and finding connections across different genres. So that's, th- those are the downsides. And of course, you know, you're not getting the same kind of quality of sound either. Uh, Jonathan, I know you just jo- joined us. 
you want to tell us who you are? Uh, yeah. Just, um, just for everyone, just, uh, just a few like, people who have an idea. This guy? Uh, my name is Jonathan Selzer. I am the reviews editor of uh, Metal Hammer. Uh, before that, I was the editor of Terrorizer magazine for seven years. And before that, I worked for Melody Maker for 11 years. I'm a lot older than I look. Uh, rest development. And um, yeah, I, I wrote about metal in the 90s. Um, but, you know, I also wrote about, you know, left field indie music. Um, got massively disillusioned with the whole scene after Britpop. Delved into the world of metal in the 2000s, so not a lifer, but um, it saved me. And um, yeah, and the whole universe opened up for me. I was another journey of discovery. So that's the basic short, short-ish short version. version. Short-ish version. <laughs> What's the long version? You don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess this adds another avenue to the discussion of the, the magazine side of things and how... We spoke quite a little bit about COVID. Um, how was that through through that for the magazines and keeping going? And um, as the reviews editor for Lives, it was a mixture of making my life really difficult and really easy because we had to cover live streams, mm-hmm. so we didn't have to worry about someone being there on the day. Mm-hmm. You know, we could um, we could um, you know, you, you had like twenty four hours, so it made my life a bit easier. Um, my own personal experience was just the same as everyone else. Just, you know, like what we do is so much part of a sense of community. Being here is, is what gives everything, you know, special meaning. Mm-hmm. And we don't have that. Um, it just feels, everything kind of feels abstract and you're lacking a sense of traction with stuff. So I found it very hard to write during the pandemic because the words weren't really connecting to everything, I, everything that resonates with me, you know, not seen as a whole. Yeah. We got there in the end, but... Um, but so, I mean, the magazine, we just basically, we weren't on the newsstands, but we got through it. We just, we, you know, just, we, we kind of cut our budget a little bit. Mm-hmm. We had to do a lot more stuff in-house. But, um, you know, we, we, we got through it, I think. Just dig in. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I think, I think that's what most people did. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think magazines that have eight, I mean, I think most magazines now are kind of, they're down to a core audience that keep us going. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're always going to buy the magazine, find out, you know, they're subscribing, you know, we're still going, Zero Tolerance is still going. Um, and because we, we, you know, we have a, a core audience who will come out and, and support us and, you know, love that world that you only get between a front and a back page. How does that work with younger audiences coming through? Do you find there's still plenty coming in that they still want the physical? It, it's, it's a weird one. Um, when we always looked at our demographics, they were always in the 35 mm-hmm. range, like 36, 35. But, you know, we, all, we don't just want to, like, be stuck in a certain kind of period of time and just, I mean, maybe that might actually be more um, beneficial sales-wise. I don't know. But, you know, we want to keep moving and keep, keep with the times. Well, longevity. You yeah, 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 yeah. We have to, um, so... I don't know. I mean, maybe new people are buying magazines, but we're certainly we're reflecting the wider world of metal as it is. I mean, I live in this. I live in the narrow world of metal. I'm quite happy there. Yeah. But, um, but for the wider world of metal, you know, we we, we you know we 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 still keep contemporary. We still need you know metal's a narrative that's lasted for forty years. It changes. It morphs. It remembers where it came from. As long as we do that, we're good. So what what about? Um, the social media side and the digital side of things. I imagine that's. Oh, oh. oh who wants to? Yeah, I was just going to ask about the. the so make sure you go to the digital side and then 
well, we we briefly spoke about the social media and and how it's always. I guess it's like, it's like a devil and an angel in 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 both senses how you use it. Print and digital are completely different beasts. Mm-hmm. Like what works in print doesn't work on online. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked on the online side of things. We have a, we have a louder site, which is um, you know all the brands, classic rock, prog, and metal hammer, and it's huge. It's, it drives a lot of traffic, mm-hmm. but. Um, but it's a very different way of looking at how you frame things. People like, you know, people like lists, but it's also like, there's a lot of psychology involved in like how you grab someone's attention immediately. Yeah. Like, you know, we used to do puns for headlines and features, but that doesn't work for online. Oh, and, does it? Uh, I thought, I thought that would be no, you, you, work, you, that you, kind of I mean, thing that... I mean, there's SEO to think about. Like, guess what she looks like now? Them yeah, kind, exactly them kind that, of yeah, ones. Yeah. I mean, but you don't want to do all... Once, if you keep doing that clickbait and it doesn't really relate yeah. to anything, like... Um, then people are going to lose. I don't, I don't. Who wants to do that, really? Yeah. Apart from it's soulless churners of content. Good, you know. I'm glad so, you said that. so you know, like it has to. The trick is relating it to the story. Like, um, but there is a psych- there is a kind of psychology of like what would make you um, mm-hmm. stop scrolling and go right. I'm going to read that. And it's it's not always the things that you think are going to do really well that mm-hmm. do really well. Yeah. Ivor, did you have something to? Just wanted to ask, like, why why do we keep saying like the genie is out of the bottle? Like uh, in Japan, they had streaming for half a year, and they all went like, "The fuck, this sucks," and they went back to the CD. They still have like eight-story warehouses with CDs and LPs. Really? So, so what's this? Where's this coming from? Like that? That dude, it's just good enough for us. It's, it's crap. But Spotify is a fucking hoax, you know. Everybody thinks it's a <laughs> it's a problem between the label and the artist. No, no, no. It's the finance people who got got in there. Mm-hmm. And they love it when it seems like it's conflict between artists and company. It's black box economy. It's fucking crazy. They go and go up to Britney Spears or Justin Bieber or whatever these clowns are called. And like, if you release on our platform, we'll give you 30% of all streaming revenue next month. And then they put the, the 70 remaining percent in a black box. Poof. And we get these statements and we have no idea what the fuck they're about. Oh, so Varuna streamed 15 million streams in India last month, and it pays out 0.00015 euros. Amazing. How did that happen? You know, it's it's the problem of the music industry. We used to be like this with sports, and at some point in the 80s or the late 70s, sports went like, fuck off, we're going to take 1 million pounds for a ticket to the sports stadium. And uh, fans went like, Oh, that's too expensive. And the sports people went like, okay, fuck off then, find some other hobby. And then people kept buying it. But the music people went like, oh no, we're not going to get famous then. And then uh, consumers went like, all right, so that's how it is. What if we pay zero for music? And artists went like, that's okay. We still want to, we can get famous still. You know, that's the whole point. We've just been, I'm trying to avoid the expression, but fucked because it's not worthy of this room. But it's it's all about bend over. <laughs> I feel like you said both there. <laughs> so, so so are you saying that people are chasing fame rather than you know? Yeah, it's the musician's own fault. I'm mm-hmm. um, I'm chair uh, chair chairman of the board of the Norwegian Associations of Recording Artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another hat too big for this room. <laughs> <laughs> but um, might make you loosen my hair if you carry on wearing it. <laughs> This guy. <laughs> he made the comment earlier about about the hats. Yes. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have gone there if not. That's uh, okay. I confess, I'm bald. 
<laughs> let's let's uh, get that out of the way. But that's the problem. It's our own fault. And um, we've been a band for 30 years, and we've seen Lars Ulrich, you know, people spat at him, for fuck's sake, when he was like, oh, this uh, this whole thing is, is wrong, with that millionaire guy who's ripped him, what were they calling it, Napster, Catnap, something? And uh, they've, been, they've made documentary, documentaries about the Napster guy being fucking arrested mm. for being fraudulent and stuff. It's, ah, and Lars Ulrich turned out to be right. And now we're at the point with Belgium and Spain. Just going to go on for three minutes about music politics. Don't worry. Belgium and Spain have now actually made laws that are saying the obvious. It's like when you go on Spotify, 90% of Spotify consumers, basically everyone is not at this festival. They use Spotify as going on pushing play. And then the rest just goes automatically. And what we have been trying to say is this is fucking radio. You know, and so that should be really treated like radio. Yeah. So if Enslaved is playing the radio, I want the money for that song. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't go to Justin uh, Cornflakes for because he made a deal with them. I don't want to pay him for doing a, like a PR campaign with Spotify. I want those so money. Why haven't the capital rights got involved in Spotify? Because we're so scared. The music industry is so scared of not being popular. On hugs and shit, and we want to be sexy on stage. That's when black metal died. Yeah, there, there is a there is a debate going on now about it. Yes, happening in several countries. But but you see, you're com- completely right on this because it is ninety <laughs> percent of the revenue goes to something like six percent of the artists on there, right? And that is ridiculous. And if you run an independent label, it's also difficult because there's a diff- there can be a differential in fees as well. But I think that the sooner that that gets leveled better it will be but I mean for for the record though for discoverability and I I I appreciate what you mean by the genies out of the bottle conversation there but I also appreciate exactly what you're saying here it's just it's a completely new world and I think post-covid and dare I say it because there's now three Brits on the board but but um the, the post-brexit I'm saying it again the post-brexit scenario has completely screwed Britain as well on top of everything else, so on, on top of the Spotify worries on royalties, we've got to worry about getting artists into Europe that costs so much now. Mm-hmm. So much. It costs us a thousand pounds to get an artist over the channel, effectively, wow. with a car now. And if so. you do want to buy the vinyl, it now costs, so, it costs more than the vinyl itself to, to, if, if you're buying it from the continent. You know, so. Yeah. Do you think the problem with. <laughs> Do you think the problem with Spotify started long before Spotify were created? In a, in a sense that as soon as the internet hit and people could rip music for free, like you said, with Napster, LimeWire, people got spoiled with all this music that they just didn't have to pay for. So then Spotify comes along and it's you pay for it, but you're paying, it's peanuts. You know, it's, it's what, £10 a month? I don't know how much. It's progress. It's, it's, it's more than zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when bands started like st- like quitting because they didn't get paid anymore, we we're like, ah, oh, it's going to even out in a what thirty fifty year period. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll stay the course. But ten pound a month for for Spotify compared to what it would be like ten pound an album. But that's, like, that's, that, that's, it, that's, it that's the problem. It's not hard to figure out that if I if I'm listening to fifty bands in in a month, there's the no problem. Way isn't, getting... it, it isn't the price because we're part of a you know it's a capitalist situation. It's a capitalist dance, but we want to be part of it. We want to have a discussion. We don't want to be in a discussion where the consumer says, we want to pay zero. Mm-hmm. 
then we want to be able to say, no, that's not enough. And then they can say, like, we want to pay zero point. You can say, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Um, Napster was slightly different in that it was decentralized. I mean, that was a company, but it was people uploading. It was like the torrents, you know, they don't exist in one place. And I think that was a slight effect. I think that even with Napster, it was still people were kind of involved in a, in in a sort of connection. It's not quite the same as tape trading, but it's um. But there's a, there's an analogy to it at the very least. And so, but just like with everything, you know, you get the Wild West. Mm-hmm. And then um, a new sheriff comes into town and mm-hmm. and goes right. Everything goes through me, mm-hmm. and that's always been the state with um, the internet and anything even vaguely utopian. Sadly. <laughs> okay, last one. Uh, that's Napster. That's the, the reason why the guy got rich is the same as the Pirate Bay. Okay, People yes. miss the point is that they became millionaires because of selling ads. Mm-hmm. So while all these kids were doing like this fantastic thing of trading and sharing content, that's where the money went and they didn't share it with the people who were actually behind the content. I mean, that hasn't changed necessarily much now, even with YouTube, you know, you're getting paid from the ads. Yes. It's not the, it's not the content. It's, it's all about ads now. I think it's everywhere, whether it's on Facebook or. So there's actually like a positive thought behind all this. It's like things can be changed. It just takes an enormously long time in the music industry because we put up with way too much. Mm-hmm. And there's a third party in this. It's the lizard people. I'm kidding. Of course not. But uh, it's kind of. <laughs> it's finance business. People who like to gamble. They entered with the streaming thing. And, and they're not recognized as being part of it. And that's why we miss out on, on these discussions. Mm-hmm. Like Spotify. Like why didn't Spotify come forward and say like, hey, there's, there's not a conflict between the labels and the artists. They're on the same side. There's a third party here that's pulling money out of the companies. That's why you're not getting paid. Mm-hmm. So, Eva, what would happen? What would be the, the benefits and the non-benefits? Um, if you just took all your music off of Spotify, Apple Music, all the streaming services, what, what would happen? I think we get a, a very sexy, warm letter from Neil Young, and that, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is, it is probably bands like Vardrunia who can actually do this and say, like, no, we're not going to do it. We want more value for money, etc. So why not? Because it feels like you would need everybody to do it all at once, yeah. maybe. Like, you'd have to have so many of the big, the real big players all go, no, fuck this, we're all leaving. Because it's like if one goes, they're just like, well, we've just... Someone else is going to take your place. Yeah, I mean, didn't one was it? I mean, I could be wrong. Dude. Um, wasn't it Eric or one some labels that took themselves off of Spotify, and then they just like crept back on again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying. I'm saying the opposite. I'm not going to pull it off anything. We want to be be there, but keep pushing, saying like, let's have this discussion. Let's end this thing of like uh, putting. Obviously, that didn't work for us. Like. You don't get paid, but you get your face on a cover of a magazine. What would that help us? Like more people screaming when they see the magazine cover. But it's we just we want to be part of it, of the painting, and change it with from within. But it's way too many artists are just accepting the fact that like and labels like you can work your ass off for a million years and you're not gonna get paid. That doesn't get you anywhere. Isn't that gonna get harder 
when there's more bands coming on where that's all they know like they don't know there's another way yeah I mean what do you reckon oh god I wish I never took the mic now (laughs) (laughs) I mean yeah I mean I, I mean your argument is absolutely watertight completely 100% watertight but but it is that embarrassing factor that you need to still be in it to win it you know what I mean and that's the painful factor because I, I mean I, I know what Wardrian to sell physically and what versus what they do streaming wise and I mean it, it, it's an interesting balance actually and and I mean like should we just do a poll who actually uses Spotify in this room who uses streaming services let's not other streaming services are available for the purpose of the podcast so no, no, it's all right. You sorry, can, can you do that again? No, they're all insignificant. So not not everybody then. Interestingly, so who doesn't use streaming services at all? I know this one's mine. No. Yes. Out of the room. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're the worst payers. And also the worst sound quality. Yeah. Worst sound quality. So you you are true cult and listen to vinyl only. Anyone else? True cult vinyl only? No? Yeah, well, I, don't, but I think that's, we, a, that's a valid we thing. We want but. the money. <laughs> <laughs> you are. I know you are. <laughs> well, there you go, but, but I think uh, the only thing that we can do, and it goes back to technology taking over, because I mean, remember going into record stores, like even things like chain stores like HMV and Saturn and things like that, when it used to be records. Now you go in and it's iPads and game controllers and everything like that. It's insane. You know, that's what it's like in HMV for us. So, come. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, but not all HMVs. The, the huge HMV megastores are mainly things. That's a recent thing, to be quite honest. But I mean, but, but what do we do? What, what would we, as an industry, you're right, we're shoved into a corner. Now it's started, we can't stop, we've got to move forward, but we've got to find a way to work with technology. I think a sound guy wants to say something. <laughs> yeah, uh, finally, the sound guy speaks. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm assuming that Matthias is likely to sort of pick it up. So I'll just say, uh, I just want to bring up something that hasn't been mentioned yet. Um, it's really important in the Spotify conversation is that Spotify is hemorrhaging money, despite the fact that it doesn't pay performers anything. Like you said, they pay you peanuts. I don't think they even pay you peanuts or cornflakes. I think you said, yeah. but Spotify has been losing like twenty percent revenue quarter over quarter for like the last like three years I think so even though you guys aren't getting paid where's all that money going right I just wanted to bring that up I think that's important because we're talking about the finance guys but they're losing money too so what is even happening where is my subscription going you know what I mean yeah where, where is the money going yeah. wow someone's getting it there'll be, a, there'll be a few people who are getting well paid I imagine yeah. I think one day you're going to find whether you're on Apple Music or Spotify. If you have a library, one day you're going to find it's all gone because you don't own it. Oh yeah. You know, if it, you know, and um, you know, it's you know that's why it's important. It's important to own the music. It's just you've got to put something into it, and um, yeah. But just you know, one day Spotify might go under, Apple Music might go under, and then your your entire library is gone. Mm-hmm. And what do you have to show for it? Yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the other thing is, I think people lose the mediums to play, play them on, because technology keeps getting smaller. You know, most cars they've lost the CD player, 
unless you buy a vinyl, everything kind of is just going more and more digital. So unless you, I guess you could buy them in digital form, but even then you could lose them, I guess. But I I like owning something physical. When you look at a, I think the last vinyl I saw was again, to reference the Nabala one, the artwork's beautiful. They put a lot of work into it and it's just a really pretty thing to hold and look at. And there's, there's something to that. I mean, there's probably more things you want than you can afford. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, if I, I mean, if I buy vinyl, it's because it's a record that really means something to me. Yeah. And I spend a lot, but I spend a lot of money on vinyls. Yeah. And, um, you know, um, I guess as well, like, I, I don't know if this works like this, but now all the vinyl has been running in, in limited editions with its color. So I, not that anyone buys vinyl to speculate and sell, but um, but it is something of intrinsic and you know other worth. Should you, you know, feel you have to sell everything and run off to the mountains, which we'll all do at some point. I'm halfway that there. Black vinyl is now a thing. It's pretty crazy. You see it both with the band and by Norse. Like that's that's like actually the thing that I had to point out. Like buy the black vinyl regular edition thing. And you see, like, all these collectors go, like, yeah, I want that one. Because mm-hmm. there's so many. I think with the last Enslaved record, there was 32 versions. And really, really keen on, like, make sure we get, like, the black one sent to the band. Because that's the one that's now the gold. Because you can actually listen to it. But I'm not complaining. It's kind of a cool thing, too, when you go to the U.S. and the tour there and the merch. You'll have kids coming up by the vinyl. And you're like, oh, you got a record player? Kind of, no, no, no. They so just really like the album and they want the physical representation of it. It's a collector's piece as well as... And I think that's... Yeah, that's cool too. Go kids. Yeah. I mean, your physical collection of stuff, whether it's your books, your records, the stuff on your shelves, that's a that's a, that's a, like a a map of, of the journey you've been on. And I just can't imagine... You know, they're kind of like external memory banks in a way. And there's so much invested in them. I can't... Sometimes, you know, I kind of, let's go, I imagine a completely minimal world where I'm not surrounded by stuff, but um, actually, yeah, but actually I love, I love, I love the idea of an archive and um, just randomly going through stuff and, oh yes, I remember this, but you know, you've got a memory attached, if you, if you own physical things, you have a memory attached to each one of them and it builds up into like a, you know, a much bigger picture and not having that, I just, I just that's to me that seems a strange way to live. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go devil's advocate again here, <laughs> just because. Right, so right now we've got a worldwide fuel crisis. People are strapped for cash. It's almost like saying that if people can't and Spotify isn't free, it's still paid for by ads. It's just people's perception of having free music. That's another thing that should be underlined with with that, I think. But we've got to find a way that is egalitarian so that it means people can have access to what they want because that's just made me think about the fact that if you want a certain piece of vinyl, I mean, I work with Tool and some of their vinyl iterations are ludicrous and people buy them, but not everybody can afford them. And that's the thing. And... I just, how, how do we get around that? I mean, I think this is a great conversation. I really do. Well, what would your solution be to that? Libraries. I, I used to get when yeah. I was a kid. When I was a kid, I discovered a lot of stuff going to the library. And the, I mean, back then it was vinyl, but later on it was CDs. And I, I would just go around and discover all different kinds of genres. 
because you know either you're music obsessive and you and you definitely want to find out. I buy blue stuff. I buy, you know, just it was just a round discovery. Um, and of course, back then everyone's ripping thing at 128k. So now you're left with um, kilobytes per second. So now you're left with like a whole library of like really shitty record, sh- shitty de- sh- shitty rips of stuff. <laughs> yeah, but it's but but it's it's a beginning regenerate. I mean, that's a kind of a more illegalitarian way. I mean, that's like saying, you know. You shouldn't have libraries because the authors aren't getting paid. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 a repository of culture. I like the idea of vinyl libraries, but you know, I'm I'm more I am more of a maybe I guess a streamer in that sense. <laughs> I, yeah, um, I like Spotify in the sense it's easy to use, etc. And when I really appreciate uh, a CD or album or whatever, then I buy it. But mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, I think best of both worlds. So. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. How much do you think that comes down to age? Because I don't want to be offensive to the other the other panelists, but obviously you look younger. I'm gonna assume you <laughs> no, are <it's> younger. <laughs> um, so I, how much? Do you, yeah, how much do you think that plays into it? That obviously you're from a, a younger generation, so you grew up with streaming, whereas maybe yeah. the others didn't. I think it's definitely a thing, and that's also also with you know the the whole um, singles the audience the younger audience now they listen to bits on tiktok on instagram etc it's all just short short chunks of music and so they listen to music in playlists which is one song after another it's it's a lot faster um and in that sense i mean i like a varied playlist and so on but i also still grew up with albums so i can also appreciate listening to an album from a to z so that's mm-hmm. probably why i i like both but you know I do think it also has to do with age. Um, mm. Yeah, the kids are listening to shorter stuff and just bits and pieces of music instead of an album from A to Z. And, you know, the metal scene is very conservative in that sense. And most people here will probably still listen to an entire album instead of 30 seconds of this and 30 seconds of that. But that's generally in, in the music industry what is happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that is that consumer driven or wh- where does it start in that it's circle? A chicken, chicken and egg discussion. Yeah. I think like <laughs> it's that old thing. The medium is the message. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Like when something is big, then as a label, you you try to you know get be a part of it. You want your music on TikTok so people share their God knows what with your music. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what came first. I, I just find this discussion uh, really fascinating for, for multiple reasons. I did, there's like this uh, weird disconnect between uh, needing materiality and this like weird non-materiality of, 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 of the digital. And it, you, we also hit on that before where you know, like uh, – the, the difference between sitting at home for two years and watching something on a screen uh, and then being present at an awesome festival and the mm-hmm. experience of that, like the physical reality of that. Yeah. Like, it, it seems like it's a, it's a, you know, encompassing issue for the music industry, really. I don't know if any of you have more comments on that because I'd love to hear it. I, I was before you get to that, we should introduce... Yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> Our final panelist who joined us. Yeah, if you want to just let us know your name and Hello. what you do, I guess. My name is Otto. Uh, I work for Dark Essence Records and Charisma Records and Apollon Records. Mm-hmm. 
and just got off the stage, so I'm sweaty and stinky. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you'd fit right in a metal festival. Yeah, and we're talking about physical versus streaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've been talking about which one do you prefer? Spotify a lot, I guess. I, I don't like to choose. If I'm given given two options, I will say yes, please. So I, <laughs> I've had a record player in my room since I was seven. So I'm very album oriented, very vinyl oriented. But I use Spotify all the time and Bandcamp mm-hmm. yeah. to check out new things and uh, check out interesting playlists like Roburn, for instance. Mm. But uh, it's really nice to work with metal and prog because people are still buying albums, mm-hmm. a very album-oriented uh, audience. Mm-hmm. So that's very good. But I I enjoy streaming. I like it. But uh, I like albums more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah, I'm starting um, to see your preference there. Remember, we were we were talking about it in terms of like, is it an age thing that the younger generation is more focused on on the digital oh, and, definitely. and losing yeah. contact with the material in that sense? Yeah, but it also depends on uh, the genre. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in pop, you don't buy records unless you're a diehard fan. Mm-hmm. You listen to, to, to Spotify or Apple Music or whatever. But uh, like in metal and prog, people are very much into the physical product because mm-hmm. you have this really diehard fans uh, connecting more to the music and they want the product, they want to support the band. And we've seen that a lot now in uh, the COVID days. Mm. People couldn't go to concerts, so they just sat home and bought records. Mm-hmm. We had an explosion of sales, and I think most other metal labels had the same. Do you agree, Eva? Yeah, partly. Yeah. yeah. Except for we didn't. As we talked about earlier, there was <coughs> became really apparent that it's really hard to break new bands. Yeah. But uh, the old farts, myself included. <laughs> uh, yeah, really. People collected and uh, and also the even though the the postage seemed to be going up a lot, uh, people were still buying a lot. Yeah. So that's amazing. For vinyl, yes, vinyl. yes, <laughs> yes. Do you think there's a, a world for for both for for streaming and physical to live together? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. If you do it right, and we we try to. <laughs> yeah. Well, the interesting thing is is that also Spotify has started with producing vinyl in uh, in pop music, and they sell it to first fans first. It's like a program, so it's actually interesting that Spotify also sees some kind of worth in physical products. Hmm. Well, that we is haven't really interesting, actually. We haven't uh, worked with that yet, but I I get some emails from some Dutch hip hopper who then sells I don't know a, a small amount of vinyl via Spotify. But again, are they, are they then taking <laughs> are they then taking more money out of the artist's mouth by doing that by money out of their mouth, food out of their mouth by yeah, by doing by doing probably. that in house themselves? Are they then stealing probably, yeah. the artist's opportunity to? It's not it's not in house though. The oh, label not? Will produce the vinyl. Yeah. Okay. So you sell it. You actually sell it to Spotify. Spotify. But I imagine they buy it in bulk cheap. I mean, there must be something going yeah, on where they buy it an RRP. Definitely. It depends what they're cutting. Yeah, well, I mean, well, they would buy it, buy it a, sta- a standardized RRP, which is there's no okay. choice. I would have just assumed, as Ivo put it earlier, that the artist would be getting butt fucked. 
No, actually, on that one, no. Although, here's the a weird thing, though. We, we wanted to do something with a large artist, and they turned us down for, for a fan first. Okay. But but the, the thing there is we, we ended up having a, like a number one in Germany, number two in the UK. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Harry Styles, 100% streaming. Killed us. We got a number two. And it's, like, it's our own label as well. That's the worst part of it. <laughs> I was we competing against ourselves. It's awful. But then our actual, the, the number two uh, position was uh, 89% physical. Okay. That's got great He's a lovely man, but he could have just took a week off that week. <laughs> did I see Vicky? Were, were you? Did you wanted to ask something before? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> was she, no. no, I think it's uh, really interesting what you're talking about. Uh, um, me not being part of the industry, but being at the other side of the table. And being an oldie as well, <laughs> yeah, physically, um, because yeah, it was brought up about radio and radio. Uh, uh, apart from the bigger bands, uh, never really did much for the metal stage. Uh, and also, what you said about pop music—that they, they in the in the eighties, they were just selling singles. There was never any interest in albums on their part. Um, And also when you were talking about libraries and where, where to actually listen to new music, that was has been a very kind of democratic thing for a lot of people because more music is available to people. And and for me, it was always a limitation that I didn't have any money. So how do you get the albums? And if you're a girl and you don't know anyone else who listens to metal, how the hell do you get new music? So you, you could go after the big brothers and ask for, for tapes Uh, but that was very limiting, and and that's why that it, it a lot of the bands that has been around forever are bands that I kind of found 20 years later because I didn't have the access. So in that way, Spotify is a good thing because I can uh, uh, find new stuff. Uh, but then again, it's the physical object. Uh, and, and the actual, you know, going into a store and looking and smelling and touching the albums uh, and reading the lyrics and seeing the art. Yeah. That is uh, such a beautiful thing and that is lost in the dig- digital world. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, there, there's something else. It's just like, it all sounds like assuming that we're all buying, we're all like listening to music in isolation. But, you know, music is always like, your friend is, is like, hey, discovered it through your friends. You know, I discovered things like Big Star and um, John Coltrane because, you know, all my friends were into that, into a lot of kind of 60s stuff. And so, you, I mean, you discover things through your friends before um, Spotify and you have, you know, you have a particular associations with them. And, you know, in a, how your friends would like music would give you a framework for um, listening to something like Bitches Brew by Miles Davis, which is like the first time you hear it, you're going to go like, what the fuck? Um, but so, so, Demon music now. yeah, oh my god, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I probably shouldn't say this, but there's, there's three things you should not do on acid B17, look in the mirror, listen to Miles Davis. Um, but you know, but 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 it's those, me- but it's not just it's not just about the music, it's all those memories that stay with you. And maybe you don't get that. And remember, you used to get on vinyls. You used to get on the on the inner sleeve, 
home taping is killing music. Well, you know, you know, the next decade was like, well, hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I get. I guess that comes down to a, an age thing. I'm. I'm again. I, I tell you, I'm 52. <laughs> it, it seems like this because it feels like the younger generation just want everything again like we said earlier now so they don't want to wait and, and go you know they hear the song that their friend played for them and they want to they want it now they don't want to wait to go to the shop and, and buy it yeah. or they, they want to pick the phone up and go now but that but that's how it is like the new generations are indoctrinated into this thing of just wanting everything right away and, and I guess again down to Amazon probably to blame for this you know I have a, a merch company and we fucking all the time are competing with people who want things next day, handmade items that take, you know, me days to make. They're like, why is he not here? I ordered it yesterday. It's like, because I'm fucking making it. It takes time. <laughs> but people are just spoiled by Amazon. They just want it yeah. next well, day. And it, that, that feels like it's across the board with everything. They did some psychology tests and, you know, kids who get instant gratification, they're actually unhappier in their lives and you know the this this is this is the thing that 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 kind of binds the press music press and you know music is the idea of delayed gratification because mm-hmm. you know you, you wait a week for the music but also you you know i discovered records through reading about a record and going like oh my god this sounds amazing but you'd have like a week or two to I mean, uh, you know, that's why I became a journalist because I read really incredible writers and I just wanted to be anywhere near as good as them. Yeah. And, um, but, but then, you know, you spend a week or two imagining what it sounds like from the words. And, and then you, and of course, it never sounds, sounds anything like it, but you're so invested in it imaginatively with the record bef- before you've heard it that you've got that connection, like, mm. you know, having that imagination, having that delayed gratification for something and wondering what something sounds like. And just having that sense of wonder, full stop, is um, something that you know we need to keep. We, we need to. We need to. We need to find ways to keep going as well. I guess how I can get is we said before about putting the genie back in the bottle. I don't. I can't see it changing. I think it's just getting. It feels like in my lifetime anyway, it just gets worse and worse. I remember as a kid waiting for something to come. I'm as guilty as anybody else. Like I used to wait a week for something and I was so excited for it to get here and it made everything better. And then now if something's not there within, you know, I complain about other people doing it, but I am guilty of it. If I order something and I'm like, I expect it to, I'm like, where is it? Why is it not here? And then I'm, so I'm, it's kind of this thing that's just getting bred into everybody. I'm the problem. <laughs> but do you think we can? Amazon Prime is a whole other oh yeah yeah not not one for us i don't think <laughs> should we let should we wrap this up um yeah. see if anybody has any questions and then we can all get out of here and go get beer yeah obviously the brit agreed with that <laughs> the first one <laughs> well i think things are starting to get better like okay physically i mean there's a Is vinyl shortage the uh, sound guy is taking a wee Oh well. Oh well. Oh well. You pull, maybe maybe pull maybe pull Matisse's microphone over. We know that yeah. one's gonna work. I mean, uh, and can you hear me? Yes. Inside your head. Awesome. Uh, I'm very into vinyl, vinyl manufacturing, and uh, there's been there are three companies making new vinyl presses, and all of them have more than a year waiting time, mm-hmm. and uh, the vinyl sales 
have uh, they i think they rose by 40 percent last year oh. compared to last year again that also had a tremendous mm-hmm. uh, rise and the cds are back on the rise again and cassettes really oh yeah most, mostly because of the long vinyl production times mm-hmm. and the, the huge costs nowadays mm-hmm. so cassettes are making a really big comeback even like you know, like Universal and Sony are pressing, making cassettes again. Sell a lot of them. So oh yeah! Expensive. Oh yeah! Expensive. Yeah, but uh, I think we might see a future where streaming and physical can coexist in a good way. I hope so. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's not be friends. Let's not be friends. <laughs> but we can be friends. Yeah. Outside friends. I like that a glimmer of hope. Yeah, that's a good place to to end on. Well, um, yeah, especially with beer. Beer brings hope. Vicky, do you want to see if anybody has any questions in the room? Maybe if anybody does. They've sat here for long enough. Should I bring? Does it work? It does. work. Pull it. No. Hello. Okay. He's back now. He can turn it off. He's um, well. Thank you for this podcast. I um, uh, I was th- I was thinking about the time that um, uh, DVDs, videos uh, were on um, uh, tape first, and then on DVD, and then on Blu-ray. We had different mediums uh, following up on each other, and when you had uh, build a collection, it was just well, it's it's it went on uh, being worthless uh, because mm-hmm. you didn't have the um, player anymore um, is final is CD is tape there to stay is this the last medium or that's a good question because <laughs> I know plenty of people who I mean I myself had tons of DVDs and they just went to the tip yeah it, it seems a little anachronistic that we're still playing vinyl and tape nowadays mm-hmm. yeah who wants who wants that one most of the DVDs I still have are films that aren't on Netflix or anything like that. So I'm still more than happy to keep my DVD. Like none of the weird movies yeah, exactly. Uh, none of the really weird dark shit is on there. Absolutely. It's yeah, true. no, that, that's a really good point. Like you can't find uh, Caligula anywhere on, you know. Exactly. Lo- loads, of, loads of terrible Mexican vampire films. There's no Salo, strangely. Exactly, yeah. But but also, that's a, that's a really, really good question because cassettes, we sell a lot of cassettes sets and some of the people that we sell the cassettes to are very young and I would imagine that they don't even know what it is they think it's a building brick they think it's Lego (laughs) or something like that but again it goes back to collector's mentality versus convenience mentality I think and I I do think all of these things will stay they will not go away and I mean for everybody here who's sitting from a label background as well we need to keep that ecosystem going really so we need to we need to encourage the collector's mentality the laser disc that was charming. When you had to turn it over, the, the pizza. <laughs> mm. Really challenging is that despite all the massive changes that have happened, we're out here just in terms of how we try to consume 
the format we live in on. People don't change. Because I remember like when I was a child, how I was introduced to pop music was by my two years old cousin gave me a mixtape with all the artists I heard that she liked. And that's how I discovered pop music. When I became a teenager and I was into metal, I got mixtape CDs or like burnt CDs from guys I had a crush on and that's how I was introduced to metal bands. Whereas nowadays, it's Spotify. And that's how they discover music. It's like, here, have a playlist. I like it. Here's a playlist. So people don't change. It's just the format we listen to that does. But the consumer and the way we listen to music is still the same. Part of the fun about making playlists was also making the cassette art yourself for them. And, um, you know, you don't get, you, you don't really get to do that on, um, on, on Spotify. You can do it. Yeah. Yeah, can you? Yeah. But, yeah, I would go to town on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd even I'd even write sleeve notes. Oh <laughs> Were they for people you had crushes on? Uh, well, some yeah. Uh, I made one for my brother, and I wrote crazy copy sleeve. I mean, that's that's a different conversation. <laughs> yeah. <that one. laughs> yeah. No, I did, and um, but I, I just I was really into graphic design, and it was you know there was this magic. You know, I would um sit, I would I would sit every night, listen to John Peel. Make, you know, uh, tape, tape machine on pause, wait to find something, realize much later on how shit my taste was back then. But, um, but you had all this, but you had, you know, you had all this like your own cassettes of just like stuff you'd taped off John Peel. I would, I was really obsessed with 4ED records, so I'd just get um, Sunday papers and I, and I, I cut, cut them up. You know, the magazines that would come in Sunday papers, make collages. I was really into typography, so I'd make my own design playlists. And it's just, it's just, you know, I just, I just kind of miss that level of obsession with things, which maybe because of my, that was more of an age thing, it's too old, too cold now. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it's just, you have so much memories around that. And it just, if you do, if you put that, I mean, when you put that much effort in you, that involved, it stays with you. And it's a, and it's an, and it's not, it's not just memory of the music. It's a, it's just a way of being that kind of stays with you as mm-hmm. well too. Like, you know, put the effort in. Yeah. Any last questions? We is something that was noticeably missing from the conversation. You talked about a little bit with festival merch, but band merch like wasn't talked about at all in the in the whole process of like bands keeping them like sustaining. Themselves. You try sitting in the panel. No, I don't. Do <laughs> <laughs> because, like, for example, unlike unlike Ebar, I'm actually bald. So when I see that like a band has like a bandana or like or something like that, I buy that immediately, right? Um, and so, would have been able to game for bands to be just versatile then by like playing live and being on streaming and selling your collector's edition vinyls and selling merch. It's just so hopefully, just like mixing, right? You can just get everything right. But that's a big, big up to Bandcamp then, really, because you can do everything in one place there. And again, oh, yeah. that's partially responsible for a lot of my outgoings during lockdown. Mm-hmm. I think really because that was brilliant discoverability. Because you could just go on there and you, their editorial is absolutely unbelievable. You go into something, before you know it, you've been on there four and a half hours and you spend like 300 quid. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Don't go on there, actually. It's terrible. <laughs> Anyone else? Are we? Perfect. One more. Oh, one more.
So when I was back then, forty six, sixty kilos a year, but they didn't even do that. But I wasn't that bad. Get back to the next one. Actually, we've uh, we're, we're about to release the sixteenth album, uh, the difficult sixteenth album. <laughs> I mean, I I feel like that deserves that deserves a round of applause on its own for getting through sixteen albums. I'm gonna give you one. We're going for Motorhead's record. Actually, no, we've had good deals with all the record companies. We've actually been at the point where we renegotiated when a record company discovered that uh, maybe the deal should have been better. It's it pays off to be somewhat nice and and uh, patient. Turns out, mm-hmm. and the metal industry is particularly nice when it comes to that. With all these, because all these underground companies that we work with, they all have a sense of um, like responsibility, I guess. And uh, I have to say, now that we're in nuclear blast band, also it's the tidiest. You know, when we say that's so German, we, we try to make it sound like we're offending them, but actually we're jealous. <laughs> they're so tidy we haven't had a bad deal but to say that with the, with the copying of cds for me it's the same as copying with cassettes there is uh, the authors and the bands we do get a little compensation in in the countries it used to be called in Norway it was called the cassette fee fund or something really catchy um, and they paid a little bit to all the artists uh, as compensation for all co- cassettes being copied yeah, and and that's what we, we figure. We've always been like that. If somebody wrote us from South America or from Russia, we still do it with my horse also. And and it's it's always like, let's be honest. Could we get maybe uh, five hundred euros to license this deal to this territory? And we know the guy is gonna be copying, burning, whatever. That's fine. It's about like they have less means to buy the albums. That's what we thought in '95 too. In South America, we came in, went to Mexico on tour, and they said like, "You should go over to the enslaved part of the vendors' market." So the enslaved part, there's like several places selling just like horrible enslaved merch. One T-shirt, they have painted corpse paint on us because they all, they're like, "Oh, they forgot the corpse paint." <laughs> Let's fix this. We bought the shirts. First, we tried to get them for free. We're like, "We're enslaved." They're like, "Yeah, right." <laughs> and then we bought them because it looked awesome. I had an inverted cross in my pe- in my, for- in my forehead, and and it's not like oh these fucking idiots are not paying for their albums. It's like this makes sense. They don't have the means there to buy it, so go ahead and bootleg. And if one guy wants to be in charge of the bootlegging, maybe that guy can pay us a little bit of whatever he's making from it. And that's still the attitude, you know. It should be, I think, um, yeah, it's. It's a moderation on on the, the the capitalism that we're all part of. That yeah. buying, selling is all fine, but sometimes it's okay to sort of like moderate according to the means that people have available. Oh, I have. I've, everything's exploitable, though, and I've I've told this story on the podcast before. But I have a friend who I'm not going to name. He he pays. It's not Matthias. He pays for his um, Spotify in Rupu, in Rupels because. He can use a VPN to be in India and it's cheaper in India because they do what you say. They, they understand that it's cheaper over there because people can't afford it. So they get the same service for less money. So he uses a VPN and pays for it over there for like a dollar or whatever. And so, so, so everything's exploitable when you do that as well. People find loopholes. It's. Oh, he, he does. <laughs> he does. Oh, he's, I think he's just tight though. He's just, he's just tight. 
<laughs> but I don't agree with it. I think you should pay the full, the full price. But yeah. there are Russian sites doing that. Yeah, people will do it. I'm sure it'll just there'll be tons of people doing that. I bet. Um, it happens with everything. Unfortunately, everything gets ripped off. It's but we need to try and figure it out. I guess. Let's yeah. Let's wrap this up. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you all for for joining us. Yeah, thank um, you for yeah, joining it's us. It's been a really good, really good chat. You got you're going there in the middle. Uh, Tish, you got anything to say before we wrap up? Uh, yeah, let's get beer. Yeah, let's go get beer. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. Professor, <laughs> 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 there you go.